me, James Delipole, and I know I always say I'm excited about this week's special guest, but before I introduce him, a quick word about all our amazing sponsors. I mean, I'm getting more and more, and it's good, it's good, and they're all quality products. Um, you've got Monetary Metals, which is a way of owning gold while being paid interest on it. I mean, there are a lot of other ways of earning gold. I mean, I, for example, have some gold in a vault in Switzerland. Um, but you've got to pay a fee to, to store it there, which is kind of annoying. Uh, you can obviously have physical gold, which I'll tell you more about in, in, in a minute. You can have it at your home if you've got a safe or you want to bury it in a, gra- in, in a hole in the ground. But monetary metals is this rare, extraordinary um, thing. They found a way of making gold pay interest. You'll find the details below um, in, in the, the notes below this podcast. Also, the Pure Gold Company, my new sponsor, they're really good. If you want to own gold in a, in a vault in Switzerland, in Zurich or in London, they're the place to go. They will also deliver to your doorstep anywhere in the world. There's lots of other amazing things about them. Read the blurb. I think they're very, very good. And don't forget our friends at Hunter and Gather. Particularly good, I find, if, like me, you're on a kind of keto diet. They sell things like MCT oil, which is a, a vital prerequisite of, of keeping your, your ketones going. Um, all sorts of other yummy stuff too. Their mayonnaise is fantastic. You'll find details below with the discount code and everything else. Anyway, on to my special guest. I really am excited. Um, you look nothing like I expected you to because you've grown a beard, Thierry. <laughs> yes, it, 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 um, but it's only temporary. I, I didn't know that this uh, the podcast was going to be recorded as well on video. So uh, I'm going to the barber uh, in two days. What you, you're, you're telling me that had you known that it would have been visuals as well rather than audio, you would have shaved your beard off? Uh, I probably would have asked my wife to help me, uh, you know, <laughs> make I, no, it I a like little bit more. <laughs> I like your beard. Um, it's very piratical, which I think is good for people of, of our persuasion. Does your wife like it? Uh, uh, this is this is something that we are in that stage that one doesn't even ask anymore. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not. But um, but as we were, maybe your your viewers will be interested to hear that as we were just preparing for this show, I was picking up the phone because I'm recording this from my phone from my Amsterdam tropical garden, and I yes. think it was that particular image that that you enjoyed because it was the beard. And the palm trees. It was the, it was I the thought, full thing. I thought you were not in Amsterdam. We're going to explain, r- remind <laughs> those people who don't know, who ha- have a clue who you are. We're going to tell them in a moment. But first, I want to see your Amsterdam garden. I thought you'd flown somewhere in the Mediterranean. Uh, show, show me your garden. Yeah, I'll, I'll walk your view, you and your viewers uh, uh, towards it a little bit. It's, um, it's one of the, the things that in my entire life, there are a few constant things that have always been the same one is my uh dislike of uh of left-wing people the other is my uh, my deep love for classical music and 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 wine of course and and the third is my love of palm trees and wherever i i've I've been in my life i always wanted to have palm trees around so uh, uh when i bought this house i decided immediately to Put all these, these these tropical elements here. I've got a there is a fig tree. There's all this stuff, and 
uh, we have a, a, a you know this is a, a cuisine d'été, a, a summer kitchen where we you, we can have. Um, you were saying you were on keto, so this is this is caveman caveman cooking that we can do here. It's it's the well, I wouldn't say that your pizza oven is very keto. It's very anti keto. But apart from that, my what my pizza? It wasn't that a pizza oven I saw there? No, 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 no. It's not a pizza oven. It's a it's a it's a stone grill where you can oh. you can oh, do caveman meat. style uh, coat de boeuf and that kind of thing. And this is Excellent. just some. Uh, you know, fig tree, all these, t all these things, and, and there's going to be a lot more. I've got, also got a, another garden, a different part of the house. So we have, um, yeah, we have a little bit of anticipation for climate change. Let's say. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about that. So, um, Thierry, before we go on, I've got to ask you. You're a Dutch MP, but you're you've got a French name. Why is that? Uh, because I've I come from my family has uh, French uh, roots. My ancestor was uh, I come from a family of mathematicians, and uh, one of my ancestors, the, the the one that carried my name, was a, a teacher of math, and um, and he was involved in the Napoleonic move, uh, end of 18th century, early 19th century which uh, encompassed the Netherlands as well. So my ancestor, the, 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 the one who gave me my family name, uh, came to the Netherlands to teach French and math to the, the children of the, um, the better families in the Netherlands. He had a boarding school uh, where it was common to speak French amongst the Dutch uh, youth of a certain uh, background right. at that time. And the, the odd thing is, recently, a book was written about my family history. It was a man who, who, who did some research into all of these, these, these interesting uh, genealogies. And uh, the, my, throughout the 19th century, my family was involved in teaching in boarding schools, which was something that, was, that, that existed back then, because we had some empire, of course, as well. It's typically it involved. The, the Netherlands had Indonesia, of course. Yeah, we we, we fought you, we British. We, we we fought many a battle with you. I know. I, I still haven't forgiven you, but... Um, yeah. Well, we haven't forgiven you for burning our ships, for sailing up the Thames and burning In our fleet, bastards. Yes, indeed. Yes. Yes, we've got some uh, <laughs> unfinished business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Too right, mate. Too right. I think I think we prevailed in the end, though, didn't we, over, over most of your colonies? But... Uh, yes, but also the the British laws. The British lost. I mean, there's this saying that uh, the British had just won the war, or or did you? You know, it, it's it's a terrible it's a, it's it's a terrible thing that has happened to Europe after 1945. We've lost everything. We've been reduced to uh, mar the margins of history, and uh, all of us are paying the price for it. I didn't get much of that because because your internet suddenly got shit. What did you miss, James? Sorry. Oh, uh, doesn't doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Look, um, I, I but I can't see your your piratical face at the moment, but I can hear you at least. Um, the the weird thing is, Thierry. I mean, I'm jumping ahead of myself here, but I no longer get remotely excited about the British Empire. 
I don't feel at all proud of it because I recognised that it wasn't really serving the interests of the British people at all. It was serving the interests of the of the indigenous the, ones, the deep state, the the oh. bad guys, the people. Really? Are you there? Yeah. Like... I think. I think I might be further down the rabbit hole than even you are, Thierry, and you're pretty far down. So we we can come to that point in a moment. But look, um, I want to talk to you about how I... Well, first of all, how I came across you, um, which was, I think, that somewhere like Twitter, I would have seen footage of you in the Dutch parliament asking Mark Rutter, who I think is one of the most one of the more evil people in the world. There's lots of competition. Um, Mark Rutter, And he's not that high up. No, exactly. I mean, in the great scheme of things, he's nothing. He's a, he's a, a peon. But, but nevertheless, you know, he supposedly is or was the leader of your country. Um, and you were challenged, you were asking him some fairly tough questions on uh, vaccines or, 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 or COVID. Um, and of course, he was stonewalling you. Um, but I suppose the broader point is, which is why I'm talking to you, is I think you are just about the only, only member of parliament anywhere. Okay, so we've got Andrew Bridgen now, but, but, but certainly wasn't at the time. The only member of parliament anywhere in the world who's consistently challenged the fake COVID narrative. I mean, you were quite early on in the game, weren't you? You were, you were calling out the bullshit. Yes, I think that's true. And the reason is, oddly enough, that I'm probably one of the only uh, parliamentarians in the world who is not interested in being a parliamentarian. Um, and uh, so uh, we were faced with a situation where the people that get positions uh, and that get in the position to decide things are much more interested in being in that particular position for themselves than to think seriously about what the impact and implications of such decisions would be. So uh, the Dutch parliament consists of 150 people. Uh, I'm being one of them, obviously. But I've encountered during my time in parliament, and I, I, I got elected into parliament in 2017, out of um, a calling of consciousness, I felt I, I needed to do something for my nation, for my country. But I felt that I was surrounded by brain dead zombies. These people are not intellectuals in the you know, even the remotest sense. They are not interested in ideas. They're not interested in in facts, in truth. They don't research things. They don't read things. They surf along the waves of whatever is the current thing. And so when COVID hit. Uh, and 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 this is you know I've written a book about this. This is just coming out. It's called the I've COVID it. conspiracy. Oh, thank you. Did, did yeah. you? What do you think? Oh, I'll tell. You, I'll tell. You, we can talk about that in a moment. But just 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 to carry on with what you're saying about. All right. So so when COVID struck, this is Feb January February 2020. I'm describing the the early days of COVID. It was a very interesting phenomenon, right? There's this virus. Uh, what what. What did I even know about viruses? I'd never, yeah. I've never, I'd never read a book about. Vi I did a PhD in political philosophy. I did some history. I did some classical music and some philosophy and art history and all these 
things and I did some wine drinking during my student years, but I didn't actually study viruses. So I was I started reading about these things. And I, I, I felt I had to know something. If the parliament is the brain, as it were, of, of, of the nation, then we should become quasi-experts in that field. But nobody else in parliament, and I, I encountered this in France and in Britain, I was in quite a lot of contact with other uh, politicians across Europe at the time, Nobody seemed interested in researching what was actually going on. So I started doing that and I re realized that uh, all of the measures that were being taken from, from January, February onwards until April 2020 were um, procrast procrastination. They were just kicking the, the the can down the road. They weren't. If if you were serious about this, it might be a bio a biological weapon. It might be might be a military grade attack. Then you, in that case, you would need to take the stringent, most stringent measures possible. None of that happens. There are all these in in between things. And then from April slash May twenty twenty onwards. It was completely clear across the world from mortality rates that COVID was not more dangerous than the flu. So yes. ever since that moment, everything that happened can indeed be called a conspiracy because there's no way that governments didn't realize that they were uh, inflating a, a, a problem to massive extensions and using the, the, the created crisis to pursue policies that were desired for other reasons than the stated reasons, than the, the reasons that they, they gave to the public. So from April, let's say April 2020, until the date when Vladimir Putin cured COVID, when he invaded Ukraine, uh, so that was in February 2022, um, everything that happened was demonstrably, provably uh, based on fake numbers. It was deceit. It was uh, not effective and possibly extremely dangerous, as in the case of the vaccines. And one of the things that... Uh, so you were, you were talking about how you got interested into me. One of the things that I've been an admirer of you for many years, but... One of the things that really touched me, that really struck a nerve in me, was a column you wrote not so long ago about the National Conservatism Conference, yeah. which is a Jewish-American initiative to explain to the West how, after the Second World War, they may still be nationalists. How? How great is that? If Israelis tell us we can still be nationalists. Wonderful. Um, but um, this, this initiative... Uh, it was a conference in London and you attended it. There were a couple of people from my party who attended it. And uh, I mean, some of these people are very interesting people. They're very learned people. They're serious people. They're wonderful people. But they're not talking about the, the deep issues, the real issues that are, that, are, that are dividing our world, that are defining what's happening in the war in Ukraine, obviously, COVID, the vaccines. And uh, instead, they're sort of, busybodying themselves with these um, safe subjects. And, and that is exactly what I encountered when I spoke up 
against the COVID scam, the COVID conspiracy, all these conservatives. I was hailed by lots of conservatives. I was celebrated in many ways. I won the elections in 2019 in the Netherlands. You know, there, there was this genuine sense that if only we can just keep the tone down, you know, if only we can be sort of acceptable by the mainstream, then we can maybe win and, you know, we can be part of a, we can be part of the establishment. Yeah. And, and, uh, but the desire to be part of the establishment was, was much, more, much, much more important to these conservatives than the desire to speak the truth, to fight the actual battle, to, to fight the fight that, that we, that, that, that got us into this situation in the first place. So what happened was that I drifted off from my peers, from the people that supported me, from anyone in my surroundings, and I got all these infighting, in, in, and, and by... By sheer mystery, I would like to say, by sheer chance, I survived. So in in every normal political situation, I would have been ousted. I would have been kicked out of my own party. I would have been replaced by some bureaucrat, by some mediocre conservatard, and everything would have been you know, back to normal. This is the normal thing. This, this is what happened to to the Republican Party, this is what happened to Trump, essentially. This is what happened to Boris Johnson. This is what happens whenever someone genuinely speaks out. Then the rest of them just 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 kick him out, and they think the power is more interesting than truth. But yes, but, you know, so I survived, and that's why that's the story. I'm gonna I'm gonna just rewind slightly because you've raised lots of very interesting points there. So you and I went on a similar journey because, like you. I'm very, very curious about, about things. I, I just want to find out what the truth is. I don't care where it leads me or how unpopular it makes you. I want to find out what's going on. And like you, in the early, early months of before the sort of the pandemic, so-called, became a thing. So we're talking the first three months of 2020, maybe. I was looking at this stuff, which, which I now realize was part of a Chinese psyop. But at the time, I thought it was something else. I thought it was, I thought, here is this deadly disease, which could be a bioweapon. Um, we should be taking it seriously. And, and, and no one's talking about it. And, and I took measures. I mean, I, I, I took a short position in a, in, a, in a cruise liner, in Carnival Cruises, and, and, and made $5,000 out of it. Because I knew, I knew something bad was coming. But anyway, so for, for a time, I bought into the bullshit. And, and then, then all the other people did, and by, by which time, I was going, no, you're wrong. You, you might think that this is real. Actually, it's a complete waste of time. Uh, none of the, you know, look at, look at the, 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 the mortality figures. Uh, they're completely within, within normal variations. You know, that, that you, you, you go back 10 years and you find um, the, the, the average age-adjusted mortality figures were the same, were even higher 10 years ago than they were in 2020. That is not the hallmark of a deadly pandemic, as it was sold to us. So I'm with you there. But you were saying that, that, that the, the politicians in France, in, in the UK, in the US, etc., in, in the Netherlands, you're, you, you suggested that they knew what was going on, that, that, that there was no way that, that they, they, they believed it was a genuine pandemic, that they were, they were just basically pushing the narrative that had been imposed on them by... The World Health Organization, etc. But you also said that politicians are lazy and thick and really not intellectually um, uh, uh, up to speed. While. So yeah, up to speed. 
So how do you reconcile those two positions? I mean, is it is it not possible that all these bloody MPs really genuinely didn't have a clue? They just did what they were told and they didn't question anything? Yes, yes, indeed. That's, that's very possible. And that is why in the book, in the COVID conspiracy, which I will just now show to your readers, yeah. um, I... I explicitly leave open the possibility that at the national level uh, these uh, uh, semi-literate people that take take all, the, all these positions of power uh, may actually not be able to read statistics and, and genuinely have no clue at all of mortality rates and all these things. But the people higher up in the global hierarchy must certainly have understood this. There's, there's no way that the, 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 more, the, the more intelligent, the more serious people in uh, the three-letter organizations, including the WHO, had no clue of the mortality rate. That, right. just, that just doesn't fly. And so the, the, the thing that... Why I thought it was so important to write this book is, is that it changed my understanding of the world. And there are two things here that I think that, that really must be discussed and understood by people because this, the example of COVID shows it. First is there is actually, there's no, ra no societal mechanism to reach rational conclusions for problems, solutions, anything, outcome. Uh, because from April onwards for two years, there was this complete unreason. You know, there is, this is first-class high school statistics that we're talking about. Mortality rates, yeah. um, lockdown, the, the effect of it and the cost in, in terms of qualitative um, uh, life years. Uh, also, the vaccines, uh, the, 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 the measurement of the negative side effects, uh, the, the way mRNA functions and the risks of it and so on and so forth. It's, it's absolutely it's elementary high school level logic yeah. but we saw that th throughout society not just in the netherlands but everywhere in the world in the developed world it it society was incapable of reaching these logic conclusions incapable it did not happen the journalist journalists didn't write about it uh, academia kept silent the big corporations uh, didn't raised their voice, politicians uh, went along with it. So society as a, in the Burkean or Oakshottian sense, as, a, as an organism that sort of, you know, comes up with these, these the, the wisdom of the age, blah, blah, blah. This, this is, this is, this is dead, brain death. We, we do not have a functioning uh, filter. Second, and that's, Equally important, and then, then I'll, show, I'll let you ask. I see that you want to ask a question. I'll let you ask it. Uh, don't worry. Very quickly. The second thing is that this unreason, this this illogical reality, was imposed on us on a global level. So it's not just that society as a mechanism for arrive, arriving at rational choices and the filtering of ideas and so on did not function anymore, but also that we are essentially part of something much larger than what we used to understand as a national democracy. That, in, that, that, that doesn't exist anymore. Apparently, we have all been co-opted by a global, well, 
deep state, you mentioned it, it doesn't matter what term you use, we can also say global bureaucracy or a global convergence of big business and supranational organizations. But in any case, this is the reality of the power uh, that, that, that exists in the Western world today. Uh, there's no rational uh, check and things are decided at a global level. These two realizations are extremely important, I think, for anyone w when watching the world today. I, I totally agree. There's a line in in your book which I I, I remember. Um, Did you say you don't agree or you do agree? I do agree. I think. No, oh, you do. Think, yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, you asked me what I thought of your book. I, I enjoyed it very much. I'm. I think it was possibly a mistake to use the c word in the title conspiracy, and I'll tell you why. Not. It absolutely is a conspiracy. But I think that your <coughs> your book is quite good at introducing what I would call normies, people who aren't yet awake, um, to to the idea of a, of a of a conspiracy, of a global conspiracy. That you know, there's so much about the the alleged pandemic which doesn't make sense, and people are starting to question all these things. But when you whack them with the conspiracy word their hackles rise and all that, you know, a lifetime's conditioning where they've been taught that anything that sounds like a conspiracy is for bad people, crazy people, tinfoil hat people. And for example, when it, when your book arrived and I showed it to my wife, I was thinking, oh, she's, actually, she's, she's going to have a look into it. I mean, she's not, she's not, she doesn't think the same way as me. She's, she, she didn't take the death jab, but, but she's not, she's definitely not down the rabbit hole. But uh, anyway, it's it's a great book um, and very good for kind of bringing the sort of the questioning closer to our... James, what would have been a better title? Well, just anything without without conspiracy in it, that's all. Okay, the COVID scam? You sh yeah, yes, that would have been good. You should have made it a bit more oblique. People, you win people over by asking questions rather than by telling them. To okay. But anyway, doesn't well, matter. maybe I mean, the second edition. Yeah, maybe the second edition. Yeah, I think scam is a good word. Does it is is, sc is scammer? What's the what's the the Dutch for scam? Uh, I use the Dutch word that is just in the middle between conspiracy and scam, which is bedrog. Bedrog. Bedrog in German. Yeah. Bedrog. Okay. Yeah. What does that mean? How do you? What's the literal translation of that? But, well, uh, bedrog is more like scam than conspiracy, because conspiracy okay. would be samenzwering. So in the Dutch title, I've been slightly more... Oblique. Uh, 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 right, yes, yeah, that's yeah. the word. Okay, well, that's good. That's good. I, 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 I think that, that works better. Um, but I just feel that I, I want to reconquer the word conspiracy, because I'm really, I'm deeply annoyed by the, precisely what you're saying, that this lifetime of programming, that we, we cannot talk about conspiracies. Ooh, when you talk about conspiracies, then you're, then you're, you're not part of the game anymore. You're, you're an outsider. And I want yeah. to break that because I, I think it's very important for, for us to own that concept and own that word and say it out loud and, and you know, acknowledge that these things exist. Yeah, no, I, I, no, no, I, I, no. I think um, it's horses for courses. I, 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 I can see both, both arguments. Um, yeah. But okay. 
there's a line in the book which I really like where you you point out that in Amsterdam sometimes the streets or the cars are covered in in fine yellow dust which has come all the way from the Sahara yes indeed so the idea that you can you can stop a, a deadly virus in its tracks by wearing a mask which is the equivalent of a a, a tennis court net trying to stop mosquitoes <laughs> getting through or or that i don't did you have this this thing in supermarkets where you had these markings where you could stand and you had this kind of arbitrary distance that i think yeah. did, did you i think in, in in the netherlands you had even more craziness than we had in the uk didn't you i think it was it was just about the same everywhere okay. but but yes, it, indeed, we had all these ridiculous things like you. It, also, another thing is you were disadvised to use cash because yes. cash supposedly carried COVID, obviously. I mean, yeah, this obviously. is this is what viruses do, right? They're in the money. <laughs> they love banknotes. They just, they just can't get enough of it. It's like money, money, money. Mm. Yes. But then, of course, if you if you pay by card, yeah. One has to to put in these four numbers of yeah. your PIN code or whatever. Yeah. And you know, as everybody knows, viruses they're, they're not into numbers, right? They they don't stick to <laughs> they, viruses never ever ever go anywhere near the fingertips. They hate the fingertips. Yes. Yeah. 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 It all makes sense. I my dad, my dad was banned for life from this hotel in Malvern because he was he went for lunch and he spotted some people at another table and he broke the rules by getting up from his table and going over to speak to another oh no all the tables were segregated and <laughs> and, and, and and when they confronted him he gave them a mouthful and and because of his outrageous rejection of of all these perfectly reasonable safety measures he was banned <laughs> <laughs> it's it's this is this is really uh, to me this is just that, that we were able to follow these ridiculous guidelines that your government also issue masturbation suggestions to couples there were there were some yeah, yeah. some bizarre so, sex tips now uh, I forget what they were if you're going to have oral sex with, with, with another gentleman, uh, you should make sure that he's standing on the other side of a wall and he puts his willy through the hole, a hole you know, like they did in the 1950s. Quite, <laughs> yes, yes, that's that, that, that kind of thing. Mm. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely absurd. Absolutely absurd. Well, well, well it was. Now, I, I want to introduce you to a, a spooky theory that you may have heard of. Um, are you aware that when the when the CIA are this is this is a CIA technique when they're sort of causing mayhem in say Central America, and they want to cow the populace, and they want to find out who the troublemakers are. They will deliberately get they get the government to deliberately introduce a crazy regulation, like you know you can only eat bananas on on a a, a day of the week um, with a I don't know with an R in it or whatever, and 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 
most people are most people comply as people do and then and they know who the troublemakers are when they see somebody eating a banana on a day without an r in it they they they, they can i mean that's how it works how how was the resistance in the netherlands well <laughs> the um this is uh, something that it, it, it strikes something with me because somebody said to me recently uh, that there's actually a, a eugenic element in the vaccines because it it kills all the irrational people. So <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> but you, well, th- but- this is one of the arguments against it's being it being a conspiracy. People say, well, why would they kill the compliant people when surely yes. what they want to do is kill people like you and me? Indeed. So, so the the other option is that the, the the vaccine, being as irrational as it is, also serves as an antidote to the next thing that they're going to release. And yeah, that's heard that one. That's not, that's, not, that's not going to persuade me to take the jab. I'm afraid. Neither is it going to persuade me. The precautionary um, principle. What it may be safe for the next the next deadly virus. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the next one will get attention this time, as Bill Gates said. Um, so, so, but so yes, what was the response the in the Netherlands? It was, I think, it was pretty much the same across the Western world. We had the eighty percent compliant people, docile, that simply said, you know, whatever the news tells me is true is true, and I will, I will go with whatever is advised by the authorities and I I don't feel that I, I'm in the position to judge these things myself and then there were a couple of people who just didn't know and then there was about between five and maybe ten percent of the population that was increasingly reasonable and that was realizing what was going on and my campaign for the parliamentary elections in uh, 20 uh, 21, so one year into COVID, yeah. was uh, entirely based on mobilizing the people that were opposing the COVID measures. Uh, and I had the, this freedom campaign, the freedom trail. We were driving around the country, we were meeting each other, we were hugging each other yeah. and, and, and making physical contact. And uh, yeah, there was a certain percentage of people that was realizing this was all rubbish and all bullshit and ridiculous. And to some extent, I feel that the resistance, the opposition to COVID was more successful than they, they had expected. Mm-hmm. And that perhaps because the, the way in which everything disappeared overnight is very remarkable. What you mean? You mean the moment Ukraine hit the news headlines, COVID vanished as a problem. That that detail, or yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. So, uh, and I mentioned this further down in the book. I say so. I've written this in 2021. I say, look, if the resistance against this is going to become too significant, they will start a war with Russia and will find something else to push the agenda through because the real. The real agenda is CBDC. The real agenda is a social credit system, social control, totalitarian bureaucracy that will control our lives up until every detail with the excuse of preventing climate change and emission, which is the, the greatest, most ridiculous scam in in world history. That's just absolutely absurd. Uh, the idea that we yes. change climate with emissions and all that. It's just ridiculous, completely ridiculous. But... Um, so what happened, I, I feel, is that 
they did not expect us to, you know, across the world, not just in the Netherlands, but to to wake up so quickly to the reality of this story. Yeah, I, I really think that this this was unexpected to them, and and so they had to start something new. But uh, in the Rockefeller report, as you, I'm sure you know, this is the 2010 thing where the Rockefeller Foundation, they have these four scenarios and they're, they're not, they're not, in reality, they're not four alternative scenarios. They're just consecutive scenarios. So the Rockefeller Foundation is a very influential think tank and they have all these scenario planning things. And they say there's this, there's a, a, a virus situation and we need lockdowns and all that. Then we're going to get hack attack. And then there's going to be some kind of decentralized, disorganized world. And then ultimately, we're going to be better together. That's the that's the, the chronology of everything. So, uh, but they write in the, the report that it will be take about 13 years for people to wake up to the, to the fact that lockdowns and all that are costing them too much freedom. But it took us, in fact, it took us only a year and a half. So I'm pretty proud of us resistance yes, I think we did a useless, great job we useless eaters actually were better than they think of us because they think we're scum they think that we are just like cattle don't they yes um, uh, that is definitely the what I think is the view of of the, uh, the, the the people up there and I must admit I also admitted explicitly in the book that I I have not been able to identify the exact desk, the bureau, the, the, the office building where all these things are actually decided upon and where the actual central intelligence is being gathered. And, and perhaps these, these things don't even exist. It's like when we watch birds flying through the sky in a certain formation. Yes. You know, it's, it's, it's more like a group thing but it but it like does like a murmuration of starlings extraordinary sight where they all go yes and they indeed. form these patterns and somebody must be somebody must be deciding it, or or they seem to have a sort of collective consciousness don't they yes but maybe collective consciousnesses do exist and maybe we just need to adapt the metaphysics that we got from the enlightenment and maybe that's wrong maybe this nominalism is wrong that an individual has an individual consciousness maybe that's just a, 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 the wrong starting point to understand the world and maybe there is such a thing as an elite collective consciousness of the elite and a collective yes. consciousness of resistance fighters people like you and me i'm sure this conference is the first conversation we're having but it feels like we've been brothers and friends for our entire lives oh totally i feel i feel exactly the same way just Chewy, hold that thought i'm just going to check whether the lamb with my son's turned down the lamb so i don't want it to overcook hi bro you turned down the lamb good thank you Yeah, I totally agree to it. And actually, on, on that note, I, I mean, whatever, whatever terrible things are coming our way, uh, and however, however um, appalling it is to discover that, that the, the cosy world you thought you were growing up with, growing up in is actually just a kind of a psyop, um, and that, that, that it's much, much worse than you think. Despite all that, I, I wouldn't 
change anything for the world because the people I've met in the last the last two or three years, it's like I've understood, I've I've, I've become part of this community that well, I hate the word community, but 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 we who know, it's just amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I see it as a manifestation of the divine, of a manifestation of God. I, I, I think that, and I, I think it's no coincidence that so many of us are Christians. But you've been, are. you've been a classmate of, of Michael Gove, haven't you? I totally have. You see, I, and I, you, I, you knew Dominic, Dominic Cummings, obviously intimately, and you. I know. never know. Do you know what? I never met Dominic Cummings, but I have met a lot of these people. I mean, when, when I do oh. your podcast. I will tell you all about it when I come over to Amsterdam. We can we can we can talk about this. But briefly, yes, I was educated uh, alongside a lot of these people. You know, at, at school, I was with the the guy, the chief medical officer, um, the guy who became chief medical officer at, at, at university. I was there with two prime ministers and and. You mean Chris Davis? Uh, yeah, Dave Cameron and Boris Johnson and 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 so on and so forth, and I. I feel like I've been given a, a, a privileged perspective on this because I've rubbed shoulders with these people. I've, I've, I've drunk with them at cocktail parties. I've probably tried to pull the same women or, or, or whatever. Uh, and it's, it's weird to see how our paths have diverged so dramatically. Um, one path marked good and one part, path marked evil. Yeah. And I'm afraid the, 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 the good path is, is rocky, it's steep, there are probably leeches dropping down from the trees and, and, and the, the, the path of evil is just like, you know, it's, it's, it's lined with gold and, and, and rubies and foie gras and, and uh, you know, I mean... So turn. <laughs> yeah, so turn. Who, who wouldn't take the path of evil, which, of course, is what the Bible, Bible warns us about. It's, it's like, it's seductive, whereas the... the and I described the same mechanism in, in my book, of course, just the, 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 the attractive, the seeming attractiveness of choosing power rather than truth. But what, what would you say is the psychology of someone like... Boris Johnson. What, oh. what what's happening? In, is is it just blackmail because of all the women? I just need to, he can't. No, he can't it's, move. It's, it's not all the women because the, all the, all the women. Everyone knows about all the women, and and it's it's almost become a kind of a badge of honor for him. Oh, he's a lad, you know. Oh, he's incorrigible. Oh, you know. It's sort of, it's it, it's amazing how how many women despite knowing of his sexual track record and his infidelity, you know, and, and women theoretically being opposed to infidelity. I mean, I think women generally are more opposed to infidelity than men are. Men think it's, well, you know, you're a lad, but women, particularly if they're married, think it's the, it's the worst thing in the world. Yet even these women, even these married women, I think have, have been quite drawn to him. No, I think it's, I think it's much more, I, I, think it's, um, I think it's worse than that. I think I've developed this theory. I don't know how far you agree with me that everyone beyond a certain level of power, not not at the kind of level of junior, you know, of, of ordinary MP, but anyone who reaches the level of cabinet, um, they only get there after sufficient compromise has been um, acquired to make them malleable. 
none of the people in any government, in anywhere in the world, is anything other than compromised, blackmailable, corrupted in some way. And I wouldn't want to speculate on what route they might have taken with, with Boris Johnson, but I would say that, yeah, they've got the dirt and all these. But yeah, I mean, some of it is overt. For example, it's, 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 it's openly known that we have these things called the whips in the UK Parliament. I don't know whether you have something similar in the whips have these little black books where they they list all the sexual peccadilloes or all the drug habits or whatever of their of the MPs so that when they threaten to um, get out of line they can be whipped back into 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 uh, the the government's interests that's how it works wow so, but, but that's 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 what we know i think there's much more that we don't know about about the the, the level of, of blackmail and, and compromise. We we know that that the the our governments are riddled with with corruption. Same by the way, the head the heads of corporations. I don't think you get to be the, the, in charge of Unilever without being eminently blackmailable. I don't think you get charged. I mean, look at Jamie Dimon, um, and, and and the relationship of J P Morgan and and Epstein Island and stuff. It's it's not. <laughs> We're not talking somebody who likes a bit on the side. We're talking something much, much deeper than that. And I think that's how the world um, is run and how it's always been run since time immemorial. I don't think but, this is a new thing. But that implies, if that were, that were true, let's just run for, with it for, for a sec. Uh, if that were true, then that means that they, the, the policies they're implementing, and they have been implementing, they are very aware of their evilness. Yes. And, uh, yes, and and so, but the the striking thing to me has been that whenever I watched these people in the eyes, or looked them in the eyes, or shook their hands, or um, <clears throat> I I did not see that. I yes. I did not see intent. I saw. I've 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 always seen. Um, well, a lot of stupidity, of course. I mean, this is we're talking 110 IQs, that kind of thing, 115, that kind of thing. This is not 135. This is not, uh, you know, this is a different thing. But then, uh, apart from from that that IQ thing, it's also it's a social thing. They're just they just walk, look around. They have no time. They have, they don't have time to read things. No. Wake up at you know six in the morning. And at seven thirty, they have their first meeting, which which goes on until ten thirty, and then they have to uh, wake up uh, very early again the next morning. I haven't seen uh, deceit in eyes. Have you? Have you seen? Yeah. Lines well, I, in I, eyes? I, as Exhibit A, I present Tony Goat Eyes Blair. I mean, actually, I think Tony Blair's gone beyond the goat eyes. Phase and he now looks just demonic eyes, purely demonic. I mean, you can see you can see evil in that man. Um, some it may be less obvious, but I mean, we 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 think that we can we can spot a wrongen, but I but over the years, I think of all the people I've broken bread with, um, people who I know for a fact even then were just in it up to the neck and I thought well he's a nice chap or she's in, she's she's nice and I now know absolutely not that that in a way I think you need to think of everyone 
who is a public figure, even if they're not acting out in, in um, you know, playing a character in 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 your favorite TV box set, they're all actors. Yeah. Everyone, everyone is an actor, and of course, yes. one of the things they're going to do is act um, responsible, act caring, act Johnny Nice Chap, because but, that's part of the deception. Otherwise, they they wouldn't be able to do what they do. That's true, but they're actors in a in a movie that that, that doesn't even have a script. Oh, they, it does have a script. They're so stupid, you don't even have to bribe them. No, you no, know, I I don't think that's true. I think a lot of them are are bribed in in different ways i mean they're bribed in in they're probably not given well some of them might be given brown envelopes but i think more often for example in the case of mps it would be directorships after they leave office or um positions in supranational organizations like the eu with with generous salaries you know i mean who sure. wouldn't want to be if you were if you were one of those politicians who wouldn't want to be secretary general of nato or or, or whatever other baubles they i mean these are these are these are nicely paid jobs yeah so that's part of the part of the subtle corruption you look at in the u.s it's extraordinary how how rich senators become i mean the entirety of the senate i think is probably absolutely balls deep in in in, in monstrous corruption Look how rich Nancy Pelosi is. Yeah. Did so, she get there with her financial acumen? I don't think so. So what happens is that they get they they have to have a, a certain degree of belief in the policies they're imposing. No. No. Absolutely. No, totally not. Totally, totally not. Um, I mean, Tucker Carlson. I mean, I think I, I, I like Tucker, although I've got my doubts about him. But Tucker did a very, very good um, one of his rants where he talked about the illusion of of democracy in the US, whereby you've got the Republicans and the Democrats. They've got these these positions on domestic policy, which seem to to indicate that there is a, an ideological difference between them. But when yeah. it comes to the stuff that really matters, voting taxpayers' money for, for more war, more foreign adventurism, they all join together and they always, they always vote, vote for that. The, the, this, is, this is, again, why I think I'm further down the rabbit hole than you. I, I have no illusions about um, the political system being anything other than corrupt beyond redemption that... No, but I agree with that. But it's just that I, I think psychologically there there will be mechanisms for these people to legitimize their behavior. I don't think they they wake up in and and look in the mirror in the morning and say, "Huh, I'm going to lie today." They, no, will, they don't. It comes naturally to them as, as breathing. They don't they don't even think of it as lying anymore. No, they think of it as moving along in the system. Progress. They think of it as, as being part of something that will ultimately be good for them, and there are so many interests. And hey, we need to uh, we we need to 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 to, to easen that up a little bit, and we need to be lean on that, and we we shouldn't bring those facts to the public because God knows what would happen if they would know. And there there's so there's a there's a there's a really a different psychology, which is the psychology of. Uh, of maintaining an order, an established order, 
which they feel much more loyal to than to truth, for example. That's that's certainly true. I mean, that would be the um, I, I mean, even putting aside the compromat thing, that would certainly be how they would justify it to themselves or how it would have been explained to them. They would have many of these people, I think, would have I mean, those who weren't selected beforehand. I mean, a lot of, a lot of these people are selected from a very early age, long before they they reach, um, you know, the age where they could get involved in politics. They're they're spotted. Um, probably selected for psychopathy and, and other other helpful qualities, um, but by whom? Ah, oh, well, they, well, we can come to that. I mean, you know, that's that's the big question, isn't it? But I, I do believe that lots of people go into politics as you did. To yeah, you know, obviously, you want the the, the 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 nice pension and the perks, but yes, you go in to make a difference, and then there comes a point in your career where you want to make the leap from what we would call backbench MP. I don't, what, what do you call them in, in the Netherlands? Yeah, the same. Yeah. When you want to make the leap to sort of preferment and cabinet level, you're taken into a room by the people who know and it is explained to you. <laughs> you thought you, you were here to make a difference and you, and you had these ideas about, about how you're going to change things. Let me explain to you, Sonny, about how the world really works and who's really in charge and, how, and, and this is the system. Now, you can either remain on the back benches or, or even get chucked out or you can make yourself useful. You can become a, 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 a you know, you're not Pharaoh and you're not Pharaoh's senior, most senior courtiers, but you, courtiers, but you are part of the administrative elite. And you help make things happen. You smooth the path. And it cannot be any other way because the world is so chaotic and people are, people are so disgusting, really, these useless eaters, that really they do need to be managed, my dear. And, and really, if you want your comfortable lifestyle, and, and isn't it rather fine what you've enjoyed so far, it, it could get a lot better, my friend. Well, all you've got to do is play along in it and just don't rock the boat. That's how it and, works. And, and who is the one telling this? Well... It's, if you look at the world, are you, are you a Christian or not? Uh, you don't have to be. I'm not, it's not a test. You, you, in a way. In a way, right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, how familiar are you with, with, with biblical teaching? Because it's all there in the Bible. Essentially, there is, the world is, is the realm of, of, you know, the devil is described as as the god of this world in the New Testament, and that is kind of the deal. He calls the shots by God's permission, and he he being the devil, being the prince of lies, he's very very good at at um, at encouraging people to do evil because evil is very seductive. It's incremental, so you you know, one minute it's just about kind of you know, doing something a bit naughty and then and then you're encouraged, well, you've done that naughty thing, maybe do something a bit naughtier and so on and so on. And eventually you're caught in this web of web of deceit and, and sinfulness and you can't really escape, you're trapped. Um, and I think that's how the world works. I sometimes try and explain, sorry, there's too much of me here, but, but uh, when I'm trying to explain the situation to people who believe in the old paradigm, I, I say, look, you've got a job, does your 
the organization work for you? What's the structure? And they say, well, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a boss and then there's... I said, right, okay. So you get that you the, there's a hierarchy. And I'm sure it's the same with, with law firms. It's the same with businesses. It's the same with schools. You've got the headmaster and so on. So there are, every organization has a top tier the uh, same way you have the, the the Sunday Times rich list tells you tells you allegedly the richest people in the world, although they they miss out the real money, the, the, the people with the money. <laughs> why why do people imagine that this this pyramid structure stops in their own country, or, or the, the the whole world ultimately is a giant pyramid with at the bottom, you know, the scummy people like you and me, and then. Well, no, we're, we're probably not right at the bottom, but but you know we're we're, we're fairly low down, and it and it it, it comes to a point at the top. And the, at the very top is 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 Satan, although he's kind of probably underneath. And then you've got people like the the old families, you know, the descendants of the sort of the the Babylonian uh, families and the, the 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 Phoenician families and the the the, the um, Egyptian families and and so on and so forth. The nobility, the the central bankers. There's a whole kind of it's like a sort of series of criminal gangs, um, which sometimes compete with one another, but but basically they've got the same goal, which is to screw over the rest of us. And. How has such wealth been maintained over the generations? Because it's very, very, you have a son and you're, you're not even perfect in letting him make the lamb properly. Well, it's, it's funny. Um, the, if you look on the internet, you'll find that there's this footage of, of, of Jacob Rothschild talking about this very issue. And he, 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 he jokes about this. He says, we like to keep it in the family. We like, we like to marry within our, our circles to stop the money going out. So that would be, that would be one, one method. Um, I think that also we are talking, when we're talking about the, the, the controlling families, you know, Rockefellers and stuff, they have so much money. Um, that it's quite hard to dissipate this, especially when they are in a position, as the central bankers are, uh, the, 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 the people who, who, run the, who own the Federal Reserve, when they can just print more money. So they're never going to be poor because they are always taking a cut of the money before they print it. Yeah, but still, uh, like... Every now and then you, you you get someone in the family who is a drug addict. Or yeah, but he'll be he'll be bumped off or or, or he'll be put in a, um, a a clinic and dried out or whatever. They're, they're quite ruthless. They're not right. they're, they're not here to to lose. They've got they've got psychopathy bred, bled, bred into them. I can see Thierry that that I'm I'm kind of I'm red pilling you here, or I'm I'm maybe even black pilling you, because. I, 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 I heard you being puzzled by my remark about how I used to be for the British Empire because I used to believe in all that all that flag waving stuff. But when you realise that the British that look, the 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 model the business model of the British Empire was the same business model of the of the of the modern American Empire, which is a sort of form of disaster capitalism. You just go in to, to, to other countries and you rape and pillage their resources. And you do it in the name of um, imposing, of bringing freedom and imposing, you know, bringing democracy and, 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 and bringing, 
they'll sell it, sell you a pretty story, but meanwhile they're just they're just like Vikings, raping and pillaging. I I, I do not think that's the case with the Dutch Empire. Oh come on, the Dutch were appalling. Uh, where where were we appalling, in your opinion? Well, I I I, I think that the atrocities committed by the Dutch in the in 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 the in Indonesia and places are well known. Are they? Yeah. They're not. They're not so well known that I'm. <laughs> I'm, I'm convinced they. <laughs> well, do a bit of do. A, I, I I don't believe I don't believe that there was ever such a thing as benign empires. I mean, I look. I'm I'm not saying that that there weren't some nice things that. I mean. You know, when I was in the Sudan in 1984, um, this elderly gentleman approached me in, I think it was Omdurman Market, and, and said, why did you British leave? It was so much better when you were running this country. And, and he talked about how marvellous the railways were and stuff and the, the colonial administrative system. So, so, yeah, maybe it was run more efficiently. But I now believe that, that individual nations should be free to forge their own, or rather peoples should be free to forge their own destiny rather than having it imposed on them, being told what to do. I mean, I think Libya was better under Gaddafi than it was um, under whatever chaos has replaced him at the West's behest. Yes, that's, that's, that's certainly true. But what, what the Dutch did in what's now Indonesia, I, I think, uh, can be considered as a uh, a genuinely uh, civilizational uh, undertaking, and I think after decolonization, lots most of these countries fell prey to a new uh, imperial rule, uh, which was far far worse. And uh, I mean, we only have oh. to look at the the, the economic uh, performances of these countries over the past uh, decades to come to the same conclusion. Zimbabwe, South Africa. Uh, there are very recent examples, of course, of decolonization. Uh, and I think um, uh, the same would have been true of Indonesia if the Netherlands would have partnered up, teamed up with these people, as there were lots of propositions at the time. Uh, and my family was involved with that, by the way. Uh, then uh, we would have been able to create a commonwealth that, that would have made the Netherlands and, and these, na these beautiful nations uh, in, in what's now Indonesia, one of the most powerful conglomerates in the world. And I think that's, that's very interesting indeed, what, what, what the Europeans could have achieved with these indigenous peoples from across the world. Well, yes, I, I mean, obviously, I can see your, your argument about that, that clearly Zimbabwe under, under Mugabe was was an altogether messier, uglier place than Rhodesia under Ian Smith or the or the previous uh, uh, colonial colonial governments. But but your point is that their deeper state has existed for centuries. Yeah, and also, which ultimately also, reaped the benefits of all these undertakings and all these good intentions by 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 naive. I'm saying that perhaps perhaps Mugabe would never have happened if it hadn't been for colonialism in the in the, in the first place. You know that 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 it's not. And also, 
this isn't to say that, that there are only two models, the, the white yeah. colonial model or the kind of the post-colonial chaos that follows. It's possible that there is... Oh, may I have some more tea? So do you think Putin, do you think Putin is part of the same of the same group or is he actually opposing all this now that's a really interesting question and that is one that divides people yeah. like us greatly yeah. so my you're asking my personal view on this um i think that i think that the russians are probably better off with i think he does a better job as a leader than any of our leaders in the Western world in serving the interests of his people. I mean, you know, if I had a choice between Putin and Biden, for example, um, yeah, this would be a no-brainer. Do I do I think that that it follows that Putin is is a good guy who's who, who's who's got our back, Thierry, and and actually is looking after the little man and is looking after and and preserving freedoms and preserving. Uh, the things that we celebrate as, 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 as the virtues of Western civilization, the family and so on. I, I think up to a point, but ultimately he's probably controlled by the same people who are controlling the, the rest of the world. You, you only have to look at what happened in... Um, uh, who was talking about this? Matthew Errett, I think it was, um, is, is, is very good on this. The... What happened to, in post-Soviet Russia, uh, the sort of the balkanization of, of Russia into different regions run by these despotic oligarchs was by design. It was not a kind of uh, an organic facet of, of, a, of, a, of a declining communist system which needed a new direction. The, the, Go back to 1917, just as, just as the Soviet Revolution, the Russian Revolution, the Bolshevik Revolution was financed by the central bankers, was financed by Wall, Wall Street and the central, central bankers. Uh, in the same way, the collapse of that system was also financed and presided over by the people who, 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 who run the world. I think, I think that for... There's, there's the level of reality that, that, that most ordinary people, you know, the majority of people on the planet live, which is that we've got our history, which has been presented to us, and we've got our country that we've been told is, is, is this thing that we should be loyal to. But then at the level above that, there is this kind of parasite class, I call them, there's a predator class, which treats us like, like sort of figures on a... Do you play Risk? There's a board game called Risk where yeah. you move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what we're like. We're, and, and, and our lives are no more valuable to them than that. They, we, they, we're just figures to be moved over a board in, in this, this much grander game they're, they're playing where, where world wars, revolutions and things like, like that are their are 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 sort of stock in trade. They're, they're, the, they're the way that they enrich themselves, the way that they control us, the way that they keep our populations down. That's how it, how it works. And uh, so when you get to the billion plus, many, many trillion, billion, trillion level, uh, your name is not mentioned in the uh, Forbes 500 lists anymore. Not. not. Nobody I mean, knows these people. So what, so how, what do you make of Elon Musk then? Oh, he's just a lower level 
lower level porn. <laughs> Just a poor guy. Well, no, he'd. I suppose he'd be something like a kind of a bishop or a, a knight, maybe. But he's not. He's not. He's not the queen or the king. And not... and 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 how do you know that such rich people exist? Because if their names are not known to us, how do we know of their existence? Well, occasionally, see, see, we're, we're now. This, this is what I spend every every podcast trying to do, depending on who I'm talking to. You know, I mean, I've got. There's a podcast I've just done with somebody who was in the Illuminati um, uh, at a very low level. There are, you get... You Has get it been broadcast this, yet? Did I miss it? No, it hasn't been broadcast yet. Ah, um, right. There was a... We, we get insights. There are, there are occasionally people who break ranks. So there was a guy who was a, a bag man for the for these elite families whatever you want to call them uh you know who sort of conducted their business for them and he talked about this they're, they're, they're very into their, their luciferian agenda or satanic you know, they, but they, they have to live somewhere right these people they do you see this is the thing so um obviously obviously we, we've heard of the rothschilds we've heard of the rockefellers their names come up but there are those who say that the, these families that are that are much less prominent, um, that, whose names we don't know. But but I agree with you. We ought to know where they live. I mean, we ought to. The, 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 no, but I mean, be... if they live somewhere, if they actually live somewhere, they they have they will have children that also that have to go to school at some point. So that, yes. and so in life becomes if you're a father I, I just turned became a father your life becomes very uh, basic you realize that you have to make sure that the, the baby gets fed that yeah, that, but... that he can, can cycle to school in the Netherlands everybody is on a bicycle always so he has to cycle to school he has to have friends he has to have some social life and well, you can't you can't organize that in around ultra rich families exclusively i don't think you're talking you're talking about the world as experienced by most scum of <laughs> scum so, like me <laughs> yeah well exactly um you know i i i i think that we're talking a whole other level of people i think that it's it's very difficult to try and get inside the heads of people who are not like you because their life experience generationally has been so different. Their assumptions, their cultural assumptions are so different that the amount of money available to them is, is, is so different. Their, their understanding of, of their role and purpose in life, of the nature of the world is so different that, that, that you, you can't say, well, of course, they've got to, you know, they've got to learn to ride a bicycle just like any other kid. Or maybe that maybe they do. But but more likely they're, they're going to have the bicycle driven for them by 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 a chauffeur. So it's going to be a helicopter. <laughs> it's that they're not like us and deliberately they don't want to be like us because we are not their role model. They see us as, as the enemy. They view us like like cattle i mean we are toys and and you also you. B believe that 
satanic ritual child abuse is part of this or well that that stuff is fairly well documented although although not that well not that well known among the generality of the populace because it's so unpleasant to think about i mean i wish i'd never i'd never heard about it because it, it, it it's like well it just it is the most unnatural horrible thing isn't it abusing sexually abusing children and of course that's that's one of the reasons they do it because it's an affront to god see this is what i think you're missing cheery uh by not having christianity um that partly i have it partly to understand the world well you know maybe you're getting there to understand that i'm not judging you by the way i'm just saying that you will never really get what's going on until you understand that what we're experiencing now is a spiritual war as much as a war in the materium. That, 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 and also, get this, consider this. Even if you do not believe that this is a battle between essentially God and Satan, they very much do. That, that that everything they do is based on rituals, on gematria, on on um, the calendar, particularly the the, salend, the the satanic calendar. So, for example, they will plan things at key events, at, at, at key festivals in the satanic calendar. So, things like um, Midsummer. You know, have you seen that film, Midsummer? No. No, it's a it's a Scandi 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 film about kind of sinister sacrifice and, and and stuff. So Midsummer would be one of them, and Samhain, you know, Halloween. Um, okay. They plan their rituals around because they the, they are in thrall to a completely different religion from the one that that we Christians follow their god is not is not god yeah 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 i have I, there, there there are lots of people that i know that have um and i've read about that have pointed towards this path but the the they in the story remains too vague for me to uh to entirely follow, and I must say that in, in my life, I mean, obviously, I'm uh, as you say, I'm very, very down, down in the global hierarchy, very low, low into the entire system. I'm not, I'm not a billionaire, you know. I'm not. Um, uh, You've got a jolly nice palm garden. Yes, but but I I think I I I have seen some of what nobility is in the Netherlands, and I I've met the the king several times and i know about the uh, a little bit about the lives of his children um and the social life that he has led during you know, before he became king and none of it points to any of the things you were saying so if the royal family in the netherlands is 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 definitely not part of of this kind of thing that you're describing and they live very normal lives and they marry normal people from normal backgrounds, um, then 
and, and Elon Musk is is not part of it. And you know, th th then well, you, you are wait, really talking Jimmy, how about. Would you, how would you know, with respect? How do you know that Elon Musk? How do you know what Elon Musk gets up to? And is you know he's got a private jet. It's probably several private jets. He can flit around the world in a way that you know he can flit from a a known place to an unknown place in in in, in moments. You don't know what the what, what's going on behind the scenes. I mean, how how much do you know about any family? You, you know what it's like. Like there the, are the things that 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 you talk to with your wife about that nobody else knows that and 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 let's hope that continues that we, we we all get a degree of privacy in our lives but you just don't know what what goes on in other in other households that is true but i do know i, I with with elon musk i was just referring to what you had said i don't i don't have a firm opinion about him but you said oh he's a poor guy he's just uh, oh no no well that's... i was i was i was I, I think that was probably uh, i was um exaggerating for effect i i mean i think in the scheme of things like a bishop, you called him a bishop, yeah, or a knight. Uh, so apparently, there are a lot of people much higher up who 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 are included in the day when you're talking about. Yeah, so yeah I'm, just, and, and, I'm, and I'm it, very interested. So there, in my view, there are essentially two uh, two possible explanations for the world as it is, as we witnesses. Yeah. The, the, the first is the, the thing that I suggested in the earlier parts of this conversation, where there is a sort of, there's a convergence of interests, like the big pharma, for example. They have a clear, they have an interest in power, and all this, the military industrial complex. These things exist. I can, I can see that the, the Central Intelligence Agency and, and several other three-letter agencies, they have interests in you know, central banks, financial institutions. I can see that. but And then there is a sort of, this is explanation first, explanation one. Uh, there is a sort of, uh, as I said, the suggestion of a sort of metaphysical uh, collective conscience that forms and that, that brings about all these, these, these policies that we see. And, uh, and 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 an example is the scenario planning with regards to COVID, like the coronaviruses. Everybody knew that these things were being tested in Wuhan and elsewhere. Um, it, it was it was a matter of lo elementary logic that at some point there was going to be an outbreak, and they never they decided not to waste a good crisis. So that's well, I th that's but you 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 can't believe that, Terry, but, because 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 you know that it was it was all planned out. Uh, um, well, the, the event two hundred one, the Johns Hopkins thing, it's sort of planned out, sort of you know, in, including the, the 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 location of the the alleged outbreak. You know, they even mentioned Wuhan in this document published in what twenty nineteen. Yes, they, November. They, they, they war gamed this the, the, every detail scenario, so you can't. You can't say that this is just convergent opportunism. That 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 excuse w was, you know, well, rendered why not? invisible. Why not? Why not? Because this is this is, this is the way um, uh, astrologists and, and and fortune tellers go about uh, their things. I mean, what if if you're going to make to develop scenarios for the outbreak of pandemics, which which has been a general thing for many years. 
then obviously you're going to pick one of the three or four uh, virus types that are very likely to spread. They and, and oh, okay. Well, 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 <laughs> the problem is, Terry, that that that. Yes, my friend. Again, again. I'm sorry to. I'm sorry to. <laughs> rain on you on the parade of your 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 theory but i don't <laughs> I'm believe under my palm trees again i'm fed up with <laughs> i don't believe um that there ever was a a, a deadly virus that, that that i'm not even sure i believe in viruses if you, if you look at the history of viruses that the, the evidence for them is very very sketchy I think that the whole idea of the lab leak was, you know, the, the, the lab leak that one couldn't talk about and then gradually became accepted as the excuse by the, not just the mainstream media, but even the US government was promoting this as, as their theory du jour, that it was all those pesky Chinese. I think you need to take, take, take a step back. And, and you, you're already more than halfway there. You've acknowledged that the mortality figures in 2020 were not indicative of anything outside the bounds of normality. That it, these were just routine respiratory problems, which 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 always take out a portion of our population every year, year in year out. And this was just flu, whatever you want to call it, rebadged as this deadly deadly yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so um, what what am I saying? That that I I don't believe that these people ever imagined that that the would the would emerge a new strain a special new strain that was that was different from all the other but i think that's part of the lie yeah well that's that's yeah sorry i'm just laughing because my the nanny is playing with my son um oh, that's nice um that that's that's explanation too i mean uh, and this is a stew, by the way. I've been. Oh, that what 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 what's in it? What? Uh, it's a pepeso, which is a, an old Tuscan stew from the terracotta builders. So it's it's beef with pepper and red wine, and that's essentially it. So it's just, and it it has been on the stove for two days. Oh, Thierry, I just... I'm actually, my business is, so apart from being a writer and, uh, and, and uh, one day a week or so, I, you know, I'm, I'm um, serving the nation in parliament. I, I'm actually a businessman. I have a company which is called Honest Food, in Dutch, of course, Eerlijk Eten. And we take the food directly from the farmer's land and put it in boxes and send it home to people so they get fresh meat especially meat and vegetables and everything is organic and but not organic in the bureaucratic sense that it's a it's an eu um of course it's an it's an eu certificate and we don't do that but it's it's organic from the in the in the actual that meaning sense of the word and people get it at home and it's great and, and it's combined that's the fun thing with a website with all these cooks that explain how to make traditional recipes. And the, the wonderful thing is it's, it's cheaper than the supermarkets. It's way better quality. And we got all these emails from, from clients, from customers who say we've been, as a family, we've been, you know, uh, getting pizza and just watching television while we ate for years. But now all of a sudden our family is having dinners again. And it's just that that's the thing that, that is ultimately important, of course, to have the conversation, to have a, 
a moment of togetherness as a family. That's great. Is it, are you, is the business doing well? Uh, it's doing pretty well. We still uh, need to grow a lot. It just started in April and I came up with the idea uh, because of the pressure on the Dutch farmers and I wanted to do more than just talk about it in Parliament and I wanted to actually do something for them. So listen, I suddenly realised I've, I've, I've got to go soon because my wife will get back and she'll wonder why I haven't prepared all these, these things. <laughs> the lamb, right? The lamb. Well, the lamb, I've, I, 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 yeah, it's cooking slowly, I hope, um, but I need to, need to check it. But look, the thing is, I've used, I, I've, I've, there's been far too much of me explaining my kind of um, Welt Anschauung to you when I really should have been pressing you on just give me the give me the the, the the short version on what's happening with with the farmers and what's happening with the, the the different parties because as I understand it you in reaction to the war on farmers this new party was created and and secured quite a lot of seats in your parliament but as I also understand it, they're basically infiltrated from the start and they're not really the good guys they're portrayed as being. So yeah. give me your perspective. Yeah, that's true. So uh, what has happened is that all the uh, unease and the disagreement that exists within society uh, about several policies, about farmers, immigration, climate change and so on, uh, is being uh, eased and... Um, uh, is it, to some extent expressed by a new political party which is supported by the mainstream media which is supported by the mainstream uh, political establishment as the the reasonable alternative to all these diff difficult things and uh, it's it's controlled opposition the BBB which is the name of the party BBB three B's uh, like uh, rather like uh, 666 yes uh, <laughs> Um, uh, they are ideologically 100% supportive of the system. They they support all the underlying ideological assumptions, like uh, you know there's a climate problem and it's caused by carbon emissions. Yeah. There is a nitrogen problem and we need to reduce our nitrogen emissions. There is a, a migration problem, so we need to accept immigrants, but we need to do it with you know, legal immigrants yeah. rather than illegal immigrants. And of course, it's important to be in an EU. We need to have an EU to arrange things, but just a little bit less and blah, blah, blah. So on every COVID, they supported COVID, they supported the injections, they support everything. So on a fundamental level, uh, they support the war against Russia, they support the war in Ukraine. So on a fundamental level, there's absolutely nothing that 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 uh, discerns the uh, distinguishes the BBB party from any of the other mainstream the, the permanent political classes as, as we yeah. call them the cartel uh, but of course it's a new phase and 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 it's and there's it's presented in a way that is sort of uh, different and new and different language and slightly different energy about them so the people this is the tragedy of of mass democracy uh, controlled by mass media that we've, we we fit, we we face, people will just say, "Oh, let's have something new and let's go for her because she's presented as a realistic alternative." And then, of course, yeah. the very next day, the day after the elections, they get sold out. But because there's a four-year term, 
just like almost every other uh, you know, advanced democracy, uh, that's long enough to create a new item to fool the people again at the next election. So you'll get two or three years of uh, uneasiness mm -hmm. and people will be complaining a little bit and then something new will hit, let's say an alien invasion or uh, you know, whatever. And then another mainstream party will, will take the gain again. So this is a very sad thing. All the farmers, they voted for her and now they get destroyed anyway. Yes, this is this is rather what I feared. It, it's it's funny, isn't it? How um, how misreported? Well, who would be surprised? How misreported <laughs> foreign affairs are. So lots of lots of awake people in this country saying, "Yeah, but the Dutch." <laughs> the oh Dutch no! Voted in this new party, and it's going to be great. And, oh and no! <laughs> how do the voters feel that, that all those people who who voted for this new party have they woken up yet to the fact that they were sold a pup? Well. The, the, the th as, as I'm sure you, you will recognize, most people are not ideological either. So they have a general sense that, oh, we're paying too much for the climate policies, right? That's, that's, that's their feeling, that's their, their, yeah. their, their hush, their general you know, emotion. Their, but their chagrin, as the French say. But it's not, it's not that they would actually form an actual abstract opinion about, do I believe in climate change or not? Like, period, like yes or no. And then from that follows a certain conclusion. That's not, that's not the way people understand political questions. And, and the same is true with, for example, immigration. It's not that people will say, uh, okay, I, I, I don't want the, the ethnic composition of my nation fundamentally to change. Therefore, you know, I support this and that policy. That's not the, that's not the way people understand. Yeah. They will say, oh, uh, we've been having these uh, riots and some cars burned down in these neighborhoods, so we need to control things more. But then, and then yes. some politician will say, yeah, we need to control immigration. And, but controlled immigration obviously means that we're going to have legal immigration, we have these, these centers, and they will have uh, you know, an asylum situation, blah, 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 and, and we will integrate them. And, and so that's what control means to the, the political establishment that will right. use that word and that chagrin uh, to, to, to implement an entirely different agenda altogether. And, and that is... Unfortunately, the way in which mainstream policies will eventually continue to be implemented, uh, no matter whom gets voted into office. And, and that is why I think the only, uh, uh, apart from a global cataclysm, which the war in Ukraine might trigger, but apart from that, the only way in which something really may change at the political level, at the general level, is uh, the way in which communism crumbled, which is that nobody actually will believe in the system anymore. It will crumble from the inside. Yeah. And I know that we have different, I just heard that you have different, a different theory about how the communist world fell apart, because in your opinion, as you just said, as, as far as I understood it, it was the central banking system which pulled the switch there. But I do think that in the DDR, for example, in Eastern Germany, there was a, a very general 
disbelief amongst even the apparatchiks in the in the very system they were formally supporting. And if we can get to that level uh, with regards to, for example, the climate policies, where nobody, where everybody will say like it's, it's just too expensive, we have to go along with it because they want it up there, they want it, but hey, nobody believes it anymore. Then you're going to see at some point you're going to see something fundamentally changing. Um, briefly, because I've, I've got to go and look at this lamb, but um, I've got to ask you about the section in your book on Eva Vladenbrook. Okay. Well, because I was, I was, I mean, okay, number one, I'm amazed that you managed to get to retain your position in, in um, Parliament when you were so open about your scepticism of all these things. I, 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 I'm delighted to hear there were enough votes in it. Was it, was it a close thing? Uh, the, so uh, you're now referring to the... Um, so what happened in, in, in October, September, October, November 2020, just for the viewers and listeners to, to get the context of this, I, I became very outspoken in my disbelief of the COVID scare. Yeah. And I, I said openly that I felt that our freedoms were being restricted by billionaires and, and, and the big pharma mafia and, and all of that. And I felt that this was the fight that we had to fight. And so what happened was that all the, as I call them in the book, conservatards, and I described this, this fight within a little bit, they they fell, and this has happened within the Conservative Party, the Tory Party in Britain. This has happened within yes. the uh, Marine Le Pen movement, the Vox in Spain, the Republican Party, even Trump. Trump faced and they all get infiltrated. Absolutely, they were, and not just infiltrated, but completely um, surrounded by these people. They couldn't they couldn't move an inch. They were completely surrounded and 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 couldn't uh, criticize these main trends that were being imposed through them uh, and, 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 and upon them. But I was unique in, in the Western world for being the only elected uh, politician to speak out. And, and what I faced was the same kind of infighting. And so what happened in September, October, November 2020 was that within my party, and my party was doing very well, we were high in the polls and so on, everybody was looking at us, the people were saying, let's consolidate. Let's not talk about COVID. Let's just go along, right? Let's just talk about immigration a little bit. The EU, these lower taxes, you know, these trusted issues so we can be in government the next year and then, and then all will be fine. And I, I, was, I was absolutely convinced that that, that that was not what we should do. We should speak out. We should, we should be there. We should form a resistance. And there were uh, a number of people... Uh, and one amongst them was indeed Eva Vladingerbroek, the one you just mentioned. And you will probably mention her because she's become a little bit well known now in the English language world. She's yeah. sometimes on the Mark Stein show and she's indeed very good. All the things she's saying. She's photogenic, and, but she, she sounds like she's really one of us and she's she's. She's yes, yes, that's an odd, you know, that's, that's a very odd thing. That's a thing I still don't really understand. And as a matter of fact, I so I describe in the book, she was a girlfriend of mine for some time. So we knew each other on a personal level. And then I elevated her to some party ranks. And I thought she was going to be one of the, the faces of the party. And, and I was convinced she was with uh, 
my best friend at the time, Julien Rochedy, who was a, also an outspoken guy in France who, 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 who was very sound on, on most issues. So I felt this was a very secure bet. It was a, it was a good choice. She, she, was, she was not going to betray me and she was going to present the conservative message in an appealing way because obviously she, she looks very nice and she has a, she's, 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 out, she's vocal and so on. But uh, she was completely taken up by the conservatives, and she was one of the leading people in the attempted coup against me. And she, she, she called on live television to say that I was, you know, an anti-Semite and a racist, blah, 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 all these stupid, uh, these stupid empty things that they always say against people who speak up against the, the mainstream. And, but the thing is, I never, I've never spoken to her again because then I won the fight. I've, I won the fight within. I was not supposed to win it, but I, I pulled some tricks and I did some moves. And a fox, you know, never, never forgets how to fight. So I fought very hard and I won. I won back my party. And then I, I, I turned the party into a freedom party and a resistance party. And, 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 and that's the rest of the story I tell in the book. But I never. I never actually heard from her anymore. I would have expected that. So, and so I, re, I actually, just a matter of fact, uh, two weeks ago, I wrote her a, a, an email. I sent her a text message, actually, to say, look, I, I had expected from you to apologize, to at some point come back and say, look, I was completely taken by this, this hunger for power or whatever, you know, whatever the story is. I was taken up by the, the, the pressure of the moment. I was wrong. You know, I, I've I've understood things better now. You were right after all, and, um, and maybe we can talk about it, or whatever. Uh, and she never did that. Uh, and so I wrote to her and I said, uh, perhaps we can talk. I, I had been waiting for you to come back at me at, at some point, but you didn't. So now I am taking the initiative. Maybe we can talk about it. And she has not. Um, she's not responded uh, to that. So I can only guess. Uh, what's going on in her mind or what has been going on in her mind. My, my personal view is that uh, her ego and her ambition for power took the better of her at that time and that it would be indeed a very beautiful thing uh, for her to talk about that in openness and to, and to, or to write about it. It's, uh, it's something that can happen to essentially to all of us. And uh, I'm not beyond the, the, the capacity to forgive people. I'm, I'm very willing to forgive. Uh, but it, it is a very, very interesting thing that indeed can happen to people, which is also, which sort of um, fits into my theory, which is an, is an opposing theory to your, to your theory of what is happening in the world. Because apparently people can indeed be uh, manipulated into uh, into um, uh, into uh, betraying their very ideas for yeah. power for and you don't need to include them formally include them in any conspiracy it's just it's a natural it's an instinctive feeling that people that people draw to power people are drawn to that and they they have ambitions and they want recognition and they want finally to be on, on the stage and to blah, blah, blah. And that's, that's, that's what I think happened to her. Um, it can happen to all of us. It, it, um, and that's well, why I think the book is important because it, it tells this, it tells the reality of power. Um, Thierry, I, I could talk to you for hours. And yes, I you must go to your lamp. Go to your lamp. 
But I've got to, um, so we've got to fix up this date when I come and see you. Yeah, um, I um, I am basically willing to receive you whenever you are willing to come to Amsterdam, uh, with with or without your your family. Both are, are you your individually or the family entirely are very welcome to be our guests uh, of honor. We will take you on a canal boat. We will have Indonesian traditional colonial food with oh, you. Oh, I like I like Indonesian food. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be good. Um, and we will have a wonderful podcast uh, in live studio because it's my conviction that Zoom calls are from the devil. The, I, yeah. I'm sure you're right. I'm sure you're right. Um, uh, anyway, um, it's been really great talking to you. Um, we could have gone on for hours, but that lamb is, as you say, independent. Yeah. Um, Thank so you. So where can people find you Thierry any products you want to push yeah just I think I think Twitter is my main uh, my main um, channel it's just uh, Thierry Baudet so this uh, the French name Thierry Baudet in French uh, that's on Twitter you can also find my books on amsterdambooks.com uh, I'm on Instagram more about the party on FVD that's forum for democracy fvd.nl uh, we also have an international network. It's FVD International. We're on Telegram. Uh, we're on YouTube, obviously. I've made these English language series about my ideas about cultural Marxism and all of that. People can watch that. It's it's um, uh, There's quite a lot of stuff that's also subtitled, my speeches in Parliament. And I would be most excited to hear from the audience if people have watched this and they found it interesting do write me an email. It's it's very accessible. It's just Thierry, so that's my first name, at fvd.nl, and I will read it personally, and I will be very excited to hear from you, from anyone. That's great. Thank you, Thierry. Uh, it only remains for me to thank my, well, especially the people who support me. I love you. I really appreciate it. You can support me on on um, locals is a good place you get you, locals you get early access to all my all my podcasts and vidcasts and stuff um uh you can buy me a coffee there's there's still patreon there's still um substack is good for my writings um subscribe star but i think locals is better um and thank you very much for your support and please come to my my events as well because they're really fun you get to meet the, the you know people who are awake and it's great it's like a, a party of best friends you never knew you had um Thierry, uh thank you very much again and um see you in amsterdam see you in amsterdam james bye-bye okay uh oops stop <laughs>